Our gospel reading this morning is from the letter to Galatia, chapter 5. Listen for the word of God. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. I say be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you are under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, and casting spells, hate, fighting, opposition, obsession, losing your temper, competitiveness, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you, as I have already warned you, that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Galatians is known as Paul's happy book. It's the one where we see Paul's gentle pastoral side. There's no screeds about flesh, flash prophets or false gospels. It's certainly no 2 Corinthians where you become a little worried about Paul's um, inevitable breakdown. Galatians is Paul at his most compassionate. You see, Galatia has a problem, which is why Paul always writes a letter. It's not because the church is doing the right things. Paul always writes his letter to address an issue in the local church. He's trying to address a problem which came up in this church in Galatia. You see, they asked Paul what the theological stance of the church was about circumcision. But only because they aren't certain if new converts to Christianity need to follow the old laws, the old rabbinical laws or not. Are those only for Jews who convert? Can Gentiles not do it? Do they need to follow the law? What's the rules here? Circumcision is the trigger, but the real issue is Galatia wants to know what the rules are. How do I know if a person is in or out? How do I know if a person is a good Christian or not? And rather than make a new Ten Commandment type of checklist of good Christian behavior, Paul says basically, don't worry about it so much. Sometimes he says people will behave in a way which feels good 
and gives them the opportunity to live out the desires of the flesh. And sometimes they'll live into the fruits of the spirit. And there's really no point in kicking people in and out of the group based on those two things, or you'll be so busy worrying about who is in and who is out that you'll miss the point of the gospel entirely. Our behavior, he says, only matters in how it affects the community of God. In essence, Paul is connecting our behavior, that is the things we do, the actions and decisions we make with the security of our relationships with the others in our group. Secure relationships to Paul are the essence of freedom. When you trust one another, when you live and move and breathe in an environment where you know you'll be supported and encouraged and loved and appreciated, then Paul says, you have the spirit. And that spirit gives you peace and freedom to live into what God, who God has called you to be. But you see, our sin, it lies to us. Our sin-filled nature whispers in our ears and tells us that the real source of freedom is following down those other paths. Path calls these, Paul calls these paths the fruits of the flesh. And it's the familiar lists of lusts and wants and things, which look fun at the time, but only offer us heartbreak and isolation at the end of the tunnel. It's not desire itself Paul places at the root of the problem. Desire and passion and fun can be good, positive, motivating things in our lives. It's not bad. It's when desire, when the fruits of the flesh overtake our love of neighbor. When those things bind us up into a self-focused life and it gives us a mindset of flesh first, that it becomes a problem. And these behaviors are a problem, Paul argues, because those self-centered desires, the things that feel good in the moment but are ultimately destructive in the long term, they destroy relationships. They destroy the community in which we live and move and breathe. And we call those choices freedom because we confuse individualism and looking out for ourselves first with freedom. It isn't freedom, Paul says. Those things are just another form of bondage. Paul says freedom isn't free unless it has a purpose. And God's freedom allows us to live in community with one another, to tie a rope of kindness, gentleness, self-control, which builds up the body. And so turning away from the fruits of the flesh gives us the opportunity to turn towards the Spirit of God and towards the community which tends the fruit of the Spirit which shape our decisions and relationships in a way which is life-giving, supportive, encouraging, it gives us a community which lifts us up even when we choose fruits from the wrong tree. A community which gives us the freedom to be ourselves. Paul tells us that type of community, that gathering of God's people, which reveals God's freedom in its hopeful acceptance and generous support and compassion, is one which has a purpose. It's a community which grants freedom in the Spirit of God. Now, one summer many years ago, I was working at Bluestone Camp, which is West Virginia Presbytery's version of Camp Greer. And it was here that I came to a decision point about which path my life was going to take. And I don't mean about like, what my future was going to look like, what, like, what job was I going to have, or where I was going to live, but whether or not I was going to have a future of quality. I think, like um, what is probably common for the nerdy girl who spends her lunches in the library, 
and who liked hanging out with my teachers more than my peers, the transition to college was a chance for me to try on another identity, to be a new person. I went to college determined not to be, well, the nerd, not to spend my time in the library. So I fell in with a group of friends that I thought were kind of cool, you know, the kind that they warn you about in after school specials. They were what my teenage brain thought was cool, mostly because they weren't what my friends had been like in high school. And we talked a lot about how cool we were because we were free to do whatever stupid boneheaded things we wanted to do that day. It was textbook fruits of the flesh stuff and it didn't fit. Well, it fit, but like a pair of too tight pants because it wasn't really who I was. It wasn't who God created me to be. Well, that night, standing in the middle of the woods that summer, just after my 19th birthday, my friend Bjorn and I were sitting at the campfire talking deeply about life the way you do when you're 19. Bjorn said he never understood why you had to go to church, why it was important. I can read the Bible at home, he said. I can pray whenever I want to. I can read books about God. I can worship God at home. I don't understand why I need to go to church to do those things. And it was that point when it hit me, that summer at church camp. Because it was the first community, the first group I'd been in for almost two years in which I felt free. I was free to just be myself, nerd glasses and all. Where people who accepted me for who I was, who thought being smart was cool. And it wasn't a group of people just like me, it was a diverse group of people, baseball players and rocket scientists. Literally, one of the guys was going to work for NASA after summer camp. It was a group with the homecoming queen and a guy who studies rocks for a living. All of them accepted me for me. They told me that the fruits of the flesh were a lie, that none of that stuff that we thought was cool was freedom. It was false. They gave me a community that was built by God. They gave each person the freedom to be called by God and created by God to be. They were called to lift one another up, to support each other, to offer friendship, which gave us a freedom to be us, which gave us the freedom to make a different choice, to walk a different path. And so I said to Buren, we go to church because it's the one place where we are accepted for who we are, warts and all. We go to church because of the community of God and God's people, and for those places when at its best is a place which is life-giving, freedom-granting, a place which offers compassion and kindness and gentleness. The church community gives us the security of knowing we'll never walk alone and gives us the support to live into the freedom of the Spirit of God. So yes, you can read your Bible at home and pray and read about God, I said, but you probably won't. And you may not choose to do those things as part of a church, but when you find a place where you fit, when you find a group of people who are walking the same journey towards living into the spirit, which, a community which prays for you and bakes casseroles for you, then that security, the peace it brings, the focus it gives you is more important than knowing everything there is to know about God. Now, churches are not perfect. 
No community is made up of sin-filled people is going to hit the target 100% of the time. And some people have been tremendously hurt by their church community. Church is a group of people, and people make mistakes and do dumb things and operate out of self-interest and are sometimes short-sighted and fearful and desirous in that whole list of things that we could make of the ways that church is messed up and lets us down. But churches are also glorious, messy places of redemption. When a community of God truly, honestly cares about one another, truly, honestly values each person and their contribution, even when you have to jump the hurdle of their quirks and, you know, them being human, it can be a unique place for us to find our true identity in Christ, to live into the fruits of the Spirit, which are given to us as a gift. When the church offers compassion first, gentleness first, Honesty with one another first. When we're able to let our guard down for just a little bit and find that spark of God's life in ourselves, then the church can be a unique and authoritative witness to the grace of God. I believe Concord could be that place. It's a place where the people of God love each other deeply and offer compassion upon measure, accept one another, warts and all. It doesn't mean we always get along or that we're always free or that we don't get in fights. It's a church, which means it's a community of human people who make mistakes and have biases and blinders. But I have seen this place be one where the fruits of the Spirit are alive, where people can come for healing and a place to reorient themselves, where people who are grieving are wrapped in arms of compassion, sometimes from a distance and often in the form of food, but still compassion. We can be a place defined by its love of neighbor and love of our community, those inside and outside. We have those gifts. We can be a place where those seeking a reclaimed identity can be given generous, abundant compassion until they find that new path. We have that gift. We can be a place of honesty about our fears and our hopes. We can choose to open our hearts and our ears and our eyes to the outcasts and the poor and the needy and the widows and the orphans and the teenager who just needs someone to tell them that they're okay the way they are, that they're okay the way God made them. We have that gift. When we trust those gifts, when we live into the promise of the future God has planned for us, then we will have the freedom to love unconditionally, to be a stronger, bolder, wiser community which lifts each other up and provides warm shelter in the rain. Blessed is the tie which binds us together in Christian love a love which does not let us go, no matter how far we roam from this place. The fruit of the Spirit is tended here, even when we mess up and plant the wrong kind of tree. The Spirit is alive here, and thank God for that, and for many other blessings.